Kia ora and welcome to the week that was, to November the 27th. I'm Bernard Hickey. This is uh, a weekly podcast that I do once a week for all subscribers. Normally it takes the form of a weekly hoon recording, but I'm on holiday at the moment in Australia, visiting family and friends. So we didn't do a hoon this week, so I'll just do a quick roundup of what I think were the main news items in the political economy this week. And it was a big one because the Reserve Bank decided to force the economy into a recession to slow down demand, to increase unemployment, to make sure it could get inflation back down from around 7% to around 2% over the next couple of years. The Reserve Bank, under the Reserve Bank Act, has to do this. And so it is. The question is, is it a good idea to do it quite so aggressively and quite so quickly? Or should it take its time? And more broadly, should it also have to focus on 2% as the inflation target? I had a good chat with Paul Conway, the Reserve Bank Chief Economist this week, who talked about the different types of inflation that we face at the moment. Some of it is temporary. For example, the oil shock we saw during the beginning of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, which actually has pretty much passed now. The oil price is back down to where it was before the war in Ukraine. And the labour shortages globally because of COVID, where people were literally sick or locked up, and the effects of uh, complications in the supply chains with COVID. Now, some of that is temporary, and in theory, the Reserve Bank can look through those, but it's been long enough now that the Reserve Bank has to worry about how much of it is permanent. And the permanent parts of it are the supply shocks. We know that there were temporary demand shocks because governments spent a lot during COVID, particularly sending cash to people who could then spend it. So that was a demand shock. And uh, also you saw uh, interest rates slashed all around the world, also on a temporary demand shock. Now that's been unwound pretty quickly now. The subsidies from the government has stopped. The acceleration from the central banks have stopped. If anything, they're going the other way now. And that leaves the question, how much is temporary and how much is permanent? How much should you react to by moving the official cash rate? And how much should you just let through, go through to the keeper? I'd recommend listening to the entire interview with Paul Conway, um, which you can also read in transcript form in the article linked in the email that goes out with this podcast. But in my view, I think the Reserve Bank should um, err on the side of giving the economy a bit more time to work out uh, these temporary supply shocks. And also, I think that it perhaps has um, overreacted to the um, higher inflation for longer uh, risk from the idea of a wage price spiral. Yes, there has been some increases in wages, but it doesn't look vastly out of step 
with price inflation and the signs of some sort of embedding of a price wage spiral aren't there yet, either here or overseas. It also begs the question, why are we so focused on a wage price spiral when there are other factors driving inflation, in particular, margin expansion? And I talk a bit more about this in the email newsletter. I asked Paul Conway about it. And also there's a link to question and answer from me to the Reserve Bank governor uh, about this, because it's clear that not just here, but all around the Western world over the last 20 years or so, there has been a shift in the uh, labor share to the owners of capital, i.e. profit margins and dividends to shareholders. And in the long run, in theory, that shouldn't matter for inflation because literally it's just a shifting of the share of income. However, uh, if you have seen a significant uh, move upwards over a long period in one share or the other, you have to ask, how was that achieved? Was it achieved by increasing wages faster than inflation and therefore increasing the share of income? Or was it achieved uh, by uh, an actual increase in the productivity of labor versus capital or vice versa? And so you do have to ask the question about whether the uh, increase in the capital share over the last 20 to 30 years is legitimate and whether or not it's actually played a role in uh, reducing inflation. Now I say that because if you are able to reduce your prices because uh, your production is more efficient, but at the same time you don't pass all of it on into lower prices for consumers. And you also capture some of it and reduce the income growth of uh, consumers that can have some distorting effects on inflation in the long run as well. And we haven't really internationally or here looked very closely at these long run inflation impacts of changes in labor share and capital share. We'll see, uh, how that works out and, um, it's something I'll keep an eye on in the next uh, year or two as we go through this inflation shock. Now, elsewhere this week, the uh, opposition leader, Christopher Luxon, came out shortly after the Reserve Bank decision, which was to uh, say that he, the National Party's plan to repeal the uh, 39 cent tax rate, which Labour brought in after the last election, uh, because it promised after the last, uh, before the last election to bring in the 39 cent tax rate, that he would, he had initially said he would repeal it. Well, this week he said he wouldn't repeal it because uh, the economic situation had changed with the Reserve Bank's uh, tough approach on inflation. And um, that caused Grant Robertson to accuse Christopher Luxon of a U-turn and of not being trustworthy on tax. And uh, certainly it was uh, worth worth noting, and we do now ask the question, what other policies could change under national? Remember, they've promised to repeal an awful lot of stuff, and uh, we'll see. The other thing I think is worth mentioning is that the Reserve Bank's decision this week to put out the official cash rate by 75 basis points, the most that 
the official cash rate has ever risen in its history since its invention in 1999. And the massive increase in the Reserve Bank's forecast track, much more than anyone had expected, to a peak OCR of about 5.5% from currently 4.25%, is likely to mean that by the time we get to the election next year, unemployment will be rising, we could be in a recession, mortgage rates could be over 7%, and uh, the economy will be slowing uh, quite dramatically at the same time as the government is looking to get re-elected for a third term. I think this week's events in the political economy have made it more likely than not that Labour loses the election and National and Act win it. That's um, not by design, of course, from the Reserve Bank. Uh, this is just the Reserve Bank doing its independent thing. And definitely the Reserve Bank has blown away any suggestions that it was somehow in cahoots with the government. But uh, um, certainly it's notable and uh, something to keep an eye on. Uh, the other big event I think I'd, it's worth highlighting this week in the global political economy is the real dramas happening in the last four or five days in China around its COVID lockdowns. Now, uh, China has very brutal lockdowns. They literally lock you into your building. And in the last couple of days, there's been a bad fire in an apartment building and 10 people died. And this apartment building was locked down. The frustration in China is growing at the scale of the lockdowns and the length of them. There were a lot of unhappy people in Shanghai earlier this year when it was locked down completely. But we now have significant areas of Beijing, Xinjiang, and also Guangzhou, uh, that is locked down. And there have been riots, um, particularly around the uh, iPhone factories that Foxconn runs. And this is something that could turn very ugly very quickly. Of course, China is not a democracy, a dictatorship, but the sort of unhappiness at street level with the government's approach is reaching boiling point. And China is so important to the global economy, but even more so to us. And any sort of extended period of uncertainty, civil, dis civil disobedience, civil disruption uh, could be quite uh, noteworthy for us and for the global economy. Remember, uh, Europe, the United States and China are headed towards or already in recession. This is one of the other reasons why I think the very aggressive action by the Reserve Bank this week, which, by the way, is more aggressive than other countries with similar levels of inflation have been, um, puts us um, at the bleeding edge of the forces in the global economy. And I do wonder whether it could have waited to see how these um, things play out a bit more overseas before uh, wielding the big stick. But we shall see. Uh, I'm Bernard Hickey. That was my weekend roundup instead of a weekly hoon. I'm on holiday in Australia for a couple more weeks. So uh, we won't have another hoon until December the 16th. And that'll be our final hoon for the year. We will wrap up the big events. And uh, that's something um, that we do for paying subscribers live via webinar and record for all subscribers later on. I hope you've enjoyed this slightly different uh, weekly 
uh, uh, podcast for all of those people who are free subscribers to the Kaka. You might hear in the background, uh, depending on how good my microphone is, the, uh, the calls and the squawks of some of the Australian bird life, which is in an apartment that we're staying at in Melbourne. Um, the Australian bird life is much harsher than ours, I think, and not quite as pleasant. I'm Bernard Hickey. Kaki Tano. <laughs>